Pastor Xavier Reese explains there's only one way to spell success in God's economy. The work of God, through the man God chooses, will give ignition, if you will, or ignite and flourish the work of God. By the word and the power of the Holy Spirit of God, through obedience for the glory of God. That's the prescription in Scripture for spiritual success. There's no other. Welcome to Simple Truths, the daily half-hour study of God's Word with Xavier Reese, Senior Pastor of Calvary Chapel of Pasadena, California. On a mission to anoint God's choice for Israel's king, Samuel visited the home of Jesse and his sons. Samuel first sees Eliab, who apparently was tall, strong, and attractive, and naturally assumed that he was the Lord's anointed, just as Saul was chosen based on these types of qualities. However, God tells Samuel he looks inward, into a man's heart, its character that God seeks. And so on today's Simple Truths, Pastor Xavier illustrates with the selection of David as king, it's only through obedience to his will that God is glorified. 1 Samuel chapter 16, verse 1 through 23. The message is entitled, The Real King of Israel, David. Saul, the first king, by the choice of the people, has failed miserably and has been rejected by God. This chapter marks the rise of David, who is the replacement of Saul. And so what we have here in chapter 16 is the anointing of David, which is presented for us in three movements. Let's begin here with the commission to anoint David, the first five verses. Notice in verse 1 and 2, the voice of God came to the prophet Samuel. God rebuked Samuel for his sadness over Saul. The Lord Yahweh said to Samuel, how long will you mourn for Saul? He had grown close to Saul. He wanted Saul to succeed, but Saul did not succeed. Saul was self-willed. And so Samuel had become overwhelmed. And that's why God rebukes him. He says, seeing I have rejected him from reigning over Israel. So Samuel here had lost sight that God had never chosen Saul. Notice Samuel was ordered to anoint God's king then. The imperative command was given. Fill your horn with oil and go. In verse 1 there at the end, for I have provided myself a king among his sons. Samuel feared retaliation from Saul. Samuel said, how can I go? If Saul hears it, he will kill me. The implication here again is that Saul had become more hostile since the rejection by God. Now, notice Samuel was given instructions for sacrifice. There in verse 2, the Lord Yahweh said, take a heifer with you and say, I have come to sacrifice to the Lord Yahweh. Now Samuel would then be told the man to anoint, and I will show you what you shall do. You shall anoint for me the one that I name to you. In verse 4, the arrival of Samuel at Bethlehem is given to us. So Samuel did what the Lord Yahweh said, and he went to Bethlehem, and he also invited the house of Jesse. Notice secondly, verse 6 to 13, you have now the selection to anoint David. The seven sons of Jesse were rejected by God before the prophet Samuel. Amazing. Notice the setting was as the sons of Jesse 
came to the sacrifice. So it was when they came. The perception of Samuel was based on the physical. He was wrong. Then he looked at Eliab and he said, Surely the Lord Yahweh's anointed is before him. In the 34 times that the word anoint is used of a royal person, it always appears with the name of Yahweh or a possessive pronoun referring to him. He's the one that calls. He's the one that anoints. He's the one the man or the woman belongs to. You understand? It is God. The principal mistake of Samuel was declared by God. Notice the hindrance for proper judgment was stated by Yahweh. Do not look on the appearance or at the height of the stature because I have refused them. The word look means to regard or to pay attention to. This is the failure of you and I. We look at someone, they're handsome. We look at a woman, she's beautiful. And we get a little different response whether we like to admit it or not. I have to check myself all the time. You understand? This was what the people admired about Saul, remember? He was handsome, a head taller than everyone else in 1 Samuel 9, 2 and 10, 23. But he didn't fare so well, did he? Look at 7. The principle God uses to judge man is the inner character. God is not like man, for the Lord Yahweh does not see as man sees. Simple. God is omniscient. He knows everything. For man looks on the outward appearance, but the Lord Yahweh looks at the heart. We're we're carried away with the outward, with the flashy stuff. The moral inner character of man, God sees it. He knows it. He needs no information at heart. And God is not taken in by the outward appearance. That's why we need God to guide us. That's why we need his word. So that we can obey his word, not be taken in by looks or by our emotions. Notice the patriarch Jesse then called his other sons one by one. Now, this must have blown Jesse's mind. Man, he's the firstborn. Man, he's good looking. Wow, not him. Okay, I got six more. (laughs) The second son came forth. So Jesse called Abinadab, made him pass before Samuel and said, Neither has the Lord Yahweh chosen one. Wow. Not this one. Benadab means my father is noble or willing. Great names, good looking kids, but not the ones. Then the third in verse 9 came forward. Jesse made Shammah pass by. And he said, neither has the Lord Yahweh chosen this one. Shammah means astonishment. The fourth to the seventh came forward in verse 10. Then Jesse made seven of his sons pass before Samuel. And Samuel said to Jesse, the Lord Yahweh has not chosen these. This must have been very disappointing for Jesse. And it must have been a mind blower for Samuel. I know the Lord told me to come. What's going on here? 11 through 13, the eighth son of Jesse was chosen by God and anointed by the prophet Samuel before his father and all of his brothers. The prophet Samuel was perplexed. Listen, Samuel posed a question to Jesse. And Samuel said to Jesse, are all the young men here? And Jesse responded, he said, there remains yet the youngest. And there he is, keeping the sheep. (laughs) You certainly aren't talking about him. (laughs) 
No, God is all. David is presented as a shepherd anywhere from 14 to 16 years of age, most likely at this point. We're not sure. The shepherd metaphor, as you know, is used throughout the scriptures for spiritual leaders, those who care for the people of God. This is David in contrast to Saul. Notice Samuel ordered his presence in verse 11 there. And Samuel said to Jesse, send and bring him, for we will not sit down until he comes in. Sit down literally means to sit around the table because he came for sacrifice and they would feast together. Now, the prophet Samuel noticed, saw a young boy there in verse 12. His entrance, so he sent and brought him in. His appearance, and he was ruddy with bright eyes and good looking. The word ruddy means red. He was a redhead. <laughs> the phrase bright eyes means beautiful eyes. Handsome guy. Good looking, pleasant, agreeable. This is one of the two recorded contacts of David and Samuel. The other is in chapter 19, verse 18. Now notice in verse 12 and 13, the prophet Samuel was told to anoint the boy now. The command came by Yahweh's authority. The Lord Yahweh said, Arise and anoint him. Samuel was totally surprised. He would have never chosen David. His father would have never chosen David. You understand? The choice was Yahweh's, for this is the one, not the one who looks as a kingly material, but the one who has a kingly heart. You understand? There's a difference. Look at 13. The instrument of Yahweh once again is Samuel. The anointing was private. Then Samuel took the horn of oil and anointed him like Saul. He was anointed privately with oil in chapter 9. Later, David will be anointed by the men of Judah and Israel publicly two times. 2 Samuel 2, 4 and 5, 3. Just as Saul was anointed publicly also. Now look at 12. The anointing was to remove any striving among his brethren. No rivalry. No junk going to be tolerated. <laughs> it was to be settled. He was Yahweh's king, not man's king like Saul. And so the anointing to enable David, notice in verse 12 also, to rule the nation follows. Who he calls, he enables. And the spirit of the Lord Yahweh came upon David from that day forward. This marks the emphatic transition from Saul to David. The spirit had been given to Saul also, you remember, but he had not depended on it to lead the people or to obey God. 1 Samuel 10, 6, verse 10, 11, 6. God enables who he calls, but it's up to the man or the woman what they do with the enabling, whether they obey or they don't. It's a choice. This is the first time David is named by name. His name means beloved. The mission being over, Samuel arose, and she, he went to Ramah, his home. Great name, David. Beloved. The work of God, through the man God chooses, will give ignition, if you will, or ignite and flourish the work of God. By the word and the power of the Holy Spirit of God, through obedience for the glory of God. That's the prescription 
in Scripture for spiritual success. There's no other. It has to be God altogether. There's no room for myself. It has to be the Lord. And so there's that constant dying to sell, that constant being realigned and getting right with God and staying on track and asking Him to guide and direct and keeping yourself humble and asking God to just speak to you clearly and being in relationship and fellowship with Him over and over and over again. The Bible is a record for all who serve God. A strict warning against trusting in man over God, be it in physical appearance natural abilities or strength of man to serve or to do the work of God. The Bible's a complete record of that. Saul is simply our most recent example that we're looking at. But later on, David's son Absalom, he was a good-looking kid too, but he was a shrewd, evil politician, and he stole the hearts of the people from his father in 2 Samuel 15, 1 through 6. There are also others in the New Testament that are named Hymenaeus, Alexander, Philetus, Demas, Diotrephes. Men who were used by God, who were used by Paul in ministry, and then they became enemies of the cross, loving the present evil world, saying the resurrection had passed, may shipwreck of the faith. Amazing. The Bible is very clear that God is the one who calls a person to serve him in ministry. God called prophets, anointed them. Some of them were faithful, others were disobedient. We have records of them through the scriptures. Jesus called the twelve and enabled them, yet Judas Iscariot betrayed him. They all were enabled to go out and pray, and people were healed, demons were cast out. Judas Iscariot was one of them doing this stuff, and yet he ended up betraying Jesus. So he received the same thing the other eleven did, but his heart was different, right? It wasn't God's fault. The failure of man is never the fault of God, but the self-confidence and pride of man due to the deceitful heart and wickedness of heart. In Jeremiah 17, 9, it says, always, the selection to anoint David was surprising. <laughs> no one expected it. Which leads us to the transition after the anointing of David, 14 through 23. Notice in 14 through 17, don't miss it. God removed his hand from Saul. All this stuff has happened simultaneously now. God became Saul's enemy. The enabling and empowering of the Spirit of God was withdrawn from Saul. The Spirit of the Lord Yahweh departed from Saul. The opposing spirit then was imparted to Saul, and the distressing spirit from the Lord Yahweh troubled him. How can God do this? Because he's God. Look at the word distressing. It means evil or bad spirit. All good and bad spirits are nothing but angels that are fallen or still faithful to God, okay? You got good angels, bad angels. And they are all under the authority of God. Even the evil spirits, okay? Satan doesn't run hell. God does. 1 Kings 22, 19 through 22, God sent a lying spirit in the mouth of the false prophets at the time of Micah. 
You see, God will give people over to lying spirits if they refuse to reject, if they refuse to hear the truth of God over and over again. There comes a place where God gives them over to their lie. The evil spirit was sent by Yahweh and with the purpose of troubling Saul. The word trouble means to be terrified, to be taken in sudden terror. This was the result of Saul's ongoing disobedience to God due to his self-willed life. There comes a time when God says, all right, I'll respect your wish. Let me take a step back and let's see what happens now. And it's the same for individuals. The evil conduct of Saul cannot be blamed on the evil spirit, but his own evil heart. Now look at 15 through 17. God used one of Saul's servants or official advisors to suggest a solution. The servant in verse 15 knew Yahweh had sent the evil spirit. This is amazing. Saul's servant said to him, Surely a distressing spirit from God is troubling you. The servant could have known this of the two-time rejection of Saul. He probably was one who had been with him from the beginning, so he was aware of the two rejections. So intellectually, he can understand God's rejecting two times. He has seen the progression. The servant could have been witness also to the progressive deterioration and rebellion of Saul, how he began so well. And the rejections, and and even at this point, maybe just being really hostile towards Samuel, we're not sure. But when you walk with somebody for many years, and then you know what they were, and you see the changes, you're the first one to know, well, he's bringing this on himself, or God's in this, you understand? The servant could have received the word of knowledge, we don't want to exclude that, but I think that for sure we can't exclude the rational, the normal, as well as the divine. Look at 16. The servant gave his counsel to Saul. Let our master now command your servant who are before you to seek out a man who is skillful player in the harp. The harp is called a lyre. And uh, David, many of the psalms that he wrote, he he wrote them to be sung with a lyre or with other instruments. The purpose, notice, is in 16 there. And it shall be that he will play it with his hand when the distressing spirit from God comes upon you, and you shall be well. And so here's the advice, and, here, and God is directing this, okay? God's in control without violating man's free will. In 17, the servant was granted permission by Saul to seek out such a man. Saul said to his servant, provide me now a man who can play well. And then he was to bring him forth to him. So he goes along, and God's in control. And yet God never violates man's free will. Look at 18 through 21. God removed his hand from Saul, and then God moved David in to serve Saul. This is incredible. Verse 18, God guided one of Saul's servants to David. He declared David's family identity. Then one of the servants answered and said, Look, I have seen the son of Jesse, the Bethlehemite. The servant gave a personal witness. Look, I have seen. The hand of God was in control without violating again man's free will. He's directing and guiding. He described the ability of David. His musical ability, he's a skilled man in playing. His social family standing, a mighty man of valor. His military ability, a man of war. His communicating skills, prudent in speech. David is called the sweet psalmist of Israel in 2 Samuel 23.1. He had a silver tongue. You read the Psalms. David could express himself. His physical appearance and a handsome person. But here's the key. All of this, nothing's wrong with it. 
but they become liabilities without this key. Here's the key. Ready? His spiritual qualities. And the Lord Yahweh is with him. Now, when he hears this, Saul says, the Lord's not with me. He wants the best of both worlds. Ooh, are you there? Oh, be so careful. You're not walking with God, but you like to be around the people of God? You like to have the benefits of God's people? This is the key of character. The key characteristic of David mentioned repeatedly through Samuel. Throughout, first and second Samuel, over and over again. His character. Now look at 19 through 21. Saul then sent for David. In 19, the request was sent. Therefore, Saul sent messengers to Jesse and said, Send me your son David, who is with the sheep. Amazing. And here again, David uh, is presented with the sheep, though he's been anointed king. David is a man after God's own heart. God has declared that. He trusted and rested in God. He didn't strive to obtain anything. We'll see this when we get into 2 Samuel. Beautifully. The character of David is being emphasized here. Look at 20. The request was obeyed with respect from the side of Jesse. Jesse took donkeys, loaded them with bread, skins of wine, young goat, sent them by his son David to Saul. The gesture was one of gratitude, honoring Saul for having drafted his son into his service. You reciprocate. The request accomplished the plan of God for the transition of the monarchy. In 21, David would stand inside the royal court. So David came to Saul and stood before him. See how God puts there. Promotion doesn't come to the east and the west, but from the Lord. David would be admired by Saul. It says, and he loved him greatly. David would be Saul's bodyguard, and he became his armor bearer. Saul grew fond of David and made him part of his royal court. Then Saul said to Jesse, saying, Please let David stand before me, for he has found favor in my sight. How ironic, without realizing that Saul is positioning David to replace him. How admirable of David, though having been anointed king, he serves the rejected king until God puts him on the throne. Ooh, that's a good lesson. We get a test on that every time. Whatever it is, we're gone. Look at 23. Saul was helped by David at the account of the evil spirit. And so it was whenever the spirit of God was upon Saul. David's musical ability came into play that David would take the harp and play with his hands. The result was relief. Saul would become refreshed and well, and the disturbing spirit would depart from him. Proverbs 21.1 says... The king's heart is in the hand of the Lord, Yahweh, like the rivers of water. He turns it wherever he wishes. When a leader yields to God, God directs and guides him for blessing and for direction. If a leader's heart's hard, God doesn't force him. And that goes down to the normal Christian. God favors no one. And so the transition after anointing David was God's doing. This is all God in this chapter. It's key. And so the anointing of David has been laid out for us in these three movements. The commission to anoint David was not easy. The selection to anoint David was surprising. And the transition after anointing David was God's doing. That's the way it always is. He's on the throne and we're on earth and we should choose our words well 
and we should make them few. Ecclesiastes says, your will be done, not ours. Pastor Xavier Reese and a Simple Truths message for finding favor in the sight of God by obedience to the will of God. Now today's message, The Real King of Israel, David, is available as always on CD for only $4. And by the way, it will also include everything Pastor Xavier shared the last time we were together as well. So once again, the title to ask for is The Real King of Israel, David, or simply mention today's date. You can request your copy by writing Simple Truths, 2200 East Colorado Boulevard, Pasadena, California, 91107. Or to make your request by phone, call 800-926-1485. Again, that's 800-926-1485. Or the address once again is Simple Truths, 2200 East Colorado Boulevard, Pasadena, California, 91107. And thanks for mentioning the call letters of this station when you get in touch. This helps us track the effectiveness of this ministry in your area. And then join us for more Simple Truths next time with Pastor Xavier Reese. Simple Truths with Pastor Xavier Reese, a daily half-hour broadcast, is a radio ministry of Calvary Chapel of Pasadena, California www.calvarychapelpasadena.com 